What's the greater danger? That we isolate ourselves from ungodly people and leave them unreached? Or that we mingle too closely with them and are ourselves led astray? Welcome to The Good Word. I'm Paul Dibdahl, host and study guide author for this 13-week series on mission. I'm joined today by two colleagues and friends from the School of Theology at Walla Walla University, Brant Berglund and Dave Thomas. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me in conversation today. So in previous lessons, we talked about um, the unreached, and, and there's some even difficulty in defining exactly what we mean by that. But let's just, I'll ask it this way. What's the greater danger, that we mingle too closely with people who are not followers of Jesus or that we try to uh, keep them at bay because of their potential negative influences? Wow. Sorry if you no, can track my question. <laughs> I think the bigger danger is to withdraw. I mean, the fact that you're involved with people, you're, you associate with people who are doing things that you think are wrong or, or, or out of order doesn't mean you have to participate I mean that's so isolation is a greater danger. Closed I, door, I so. a closed door is more dangerous I than an so. open door. I think it depends on the person and where they're at in their walk too. Because I think if you have a mature Christian, Dave, you you've talked about your um, your experience of growing and and uh, in a, in a circumspect home and having that as an upbringing, and then um, in life, you know, growing as a Christian in in a slow, deep, and meaningful way. Um, your your maturity and your depth, I think, would lend itself to being in another culture that it, it wouldn't have any effect. But I think a person who's far more likely to be, you know, go with the flow, you know, if they know that about themselves, it could be a, a challenge. I think about the Apostle Paul's experience. He ha- he has his conversion, if we can call it that, on the road to um, Damascus, and then afterwards he says in Galatians that he went away for some time in, into Arabia, right? It's like it was gone for years. Was, was he doing evangelistic work or was he revising his theology? Was he formulating a new experience? Was he coming to know this Jesus that he didn't know before? What was he doing there? We don't We don't have, a, I think, a great example from Scripture that tells us specifically, but he certainly didn't go immediately and begin proclaiming Jesus. I think it was 10 years he was yeah, gone. Yeah, so... What what does that mean? I mean, was was he making sure he was ready for this mission? Ten years is a long time yeah. to prepare, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that that leads me to believe that maybe there's a time and a place to go. Um, we have missionary organizations within our denomination, our faith tradition, right? That we we do some vetting. They make mm-hmm. sure the people who are going are ready, and they turn some down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you would think, oh, we shouldn't turn anybody down. Everybody should go. It's not the case. Hmm. Is that wise? Yeah, I think there's some circumstances that have to be considered. I remember we had a student here years ago who came out of an environment where there was a lot of alcohol, Mm -hmm. including what he drank. Mm -hmm. In order to pay his college, he was waiting tables at a a, a restaurant, a hotel. And he told me one day, he said, I had to quit because um, they were serving alcohol. They wanted me to serve it. And he said, there's too much of that in my past. I couldn't work there anymore. Now, I would have had no temptation to drink alcohol whatsoever. Right. I wouldn't want to serve it either, so I wouldn't, but what I'm saying is that alcohol offers me no temptation at all. It does offer that to other people, so I see your point. I'm going to ask two really um, rather specific questions about working with 
with people that are not uh, Christians, not followers of Jesus. Um, is it is it advisory? Is it wise to actually study other religions, um, or is that is that dangerous? What would you say about that? And the other question, again, very practical. Um, what about marrying someone of a different religion? Is that is that wrong? You can take those in whatever order you want. Well, those are two very different questions yep, in my mind. They are. And I, I think as far as studying, that, um, you know, there's always benefit to st- studying what other people believe so you understand them better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any, you know, any biblical support for that, studying of other religions? I think Paul's a perfect example in Acts 17 where he goes into Mars. Although people have said it's a bad example because he changed his mind when he went to Corinth, but I, I still think his approach there was one that says, "Look, I can tell you who no, you know no, these and, and altars." I, and I, I've got to I've got to speak to that Brent. You know when he when he went to Corinth, he said that he he's uh, what are the exact words? I'm going to know nothing know. Yeah. Among, yeah. among you except Christ and him. And people say well, that was because he failed in his right. mission in Athens. I don't think that's true. I don't think so either. I think that what he's talking about is this trembling uh, anxiety to do well mm-hmm. like a, like an actor would have or a singer would have before they do their performance that's what i think was what he was re- speaking there that he's determined to know nothing but jesus christ his mission in athens wasn't a failure no nope. it wasn't a spectacular success in establishing a church but he won a handful and that seems to be quite a victory yeah. for a city like athens yeah. And so I, I think understanding the opposition or the, the other is a very helpful thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has to persuade you to join. In, in Acts 17, um, again, just to press into the story a little bit more, the Apostle Paul actually quotes. He doesn't just say he's been walking among the idols. He's mm-hmm. reading inscriptions. So he's not – he hasn't shut the door and hiding. Oh, it's filled with idols. He's, he's exploring what's around him and trying to learn. But then he also quotes, quotes. from – uh, clean these hymn to Zeus. It's actually yep. a quotation from a couple different of of their religious yeah. their religious writings. He actually quotes, and it's recorded for us in Acts. Um, well, what do you do with Jesus telling the story of the rich man Lazarus? Yeah, where where there's a parable about it's not what a true story. Not a true story. Well, some would argue it is a true I know, story, but, but, I, but yeah, uh, I think the fact it begins with the phrase "a certain man" and there's but, you know, but it seems to have been a, a, a known story that yeah. he picked up and used. Okay, so Paul also at the beginning of Titus, um, he 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 quotes a Greco-Roman author when he says, um, "Cretans are always liars and evil mm-hmm. beasts, lazy gluttons," and then he says this testimony is true. So he actually affirms mm-hmm. that writer. What about yeah. Daniel? What did he study in Babylon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I if we study those religions in order to want to become like them, that can be a different motive than saying I want to know simply because I'm a curious. Or B, because I want to know how I can have more in common to reach these people. Where What's an entering wedge that can help us have some common ground and develop? How about what kind of meals do they eat so I can share a meal and we can become and close? See, Paul, what you said a few weeks ago about when you went to Thailand and you knew how to eat mm-hmm. the sticky mm-hmm. rice and stuff like that. In a way, you, were, you, you understood them and it made you far more credible. Mm-hmm. See, As far as marrying somebody from another religion, I... Religion runs so deep in human experience and affects so much in life. I think it's inadvisable to marry anybody whose beliefs and practices are vastly different from yours. It just makes for, it it takes something out of life and marriage that would otherwise be there. I don't think it's morally wrong. 
But I think you're creating an enormous difficulty for yourself by doing that. I've been asked, probably not as often as you two gentlemen, to do weddings, but I've been asked a number of times. And I've turned down two couples, and both of them were because of the issue of religion. On one hand, they one of the cases, they were of different faiths, and it was very clear that I just didn't feel like I could support what they were doing. The other one, they were of the same faith. And yet their religious perspectives were so different, and they came from such different backgrounds with that religious perspective that it was just it was it was contentious even within our conversations. So, <laughs> and that that so, actually. So was, why'd you ask that question, Paul? Well, I I was thinking again, just very practically as a pastor, this was a, an issue that I faced on a number of occasions, and I had to kind of make a, a decision. And it is, it is a case-by-case kind of decision, but sort of philosophically I had to decide, as a person who, who can officiate at weddings, am I the, the gatekeeper, like determining for whom shall I do this, or is this a service that I provide to people who ask? And since they've asked me to provide that, it gives me then an avenue or a channel for conversations that I wouldn't otherwise have. And I leaned toward that second toward that second approach. It's like if you if you care enough, you know I'm a religious figure, you know I'm a, a Christian pastor, and if you want me to be involved in this, then I'm going to be involved in this, and I might be involved in ways that make you uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to make make use of this opportunity that you've been given. And I don't know if that was the right decision or not. Um, but but I I did find I mean both things can happen right it it can be that 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 this is happily resolved with uh, a a a spouse becoming yeah. a follower of Jesus being one to Christ and yeah. and the opposite can also be the case that it just creates yeah. such problems in the relationship yeah I, I don't so, know anyway. I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing what you're talking about I, I know of one case where the the two of them decided to, on a common religious set of beliefs and they've been happily married for forty years hmm. I know few of those <clears throat> cases and too many of the ones I have seen ended very sadly because of the differences. I think marriage is hard enough, you know, when you share it, because there's so many factors in, in a marriage, so many things you bring, but religion, like you said, Dave, plays such a role. in And the deepest held experiences have a religious basis to them often, morals and ethics and how you raise your children, the hopes and dreams and you know, dietary things, mm-hmm. all of that can be, can play a role. And we can talk about all the different religions of the world, how all these things play a role, right? It's not just our own faith. And I... I, I don't have prepared prepared comments here, but I do I do think of people who are who are listening and who find themselves in a relationship that that might be really difficult for a variety of reasons because of differences in in life perspective and we can call that religious and often maybe it is, um, and I, I guess I would just want want everyone <laughs> like not to give up hope. And I think that God can can work in those difficult situations, um, and and I think we need to be patient, and we need to, as best we can, be faithful ourselves, and and then again trust that that regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in, um, be it sounds trite almost, but I mean it sincerely. Like be of be of good courage. Um, there there may be. 
there may be something good that God has in store for you, uh, even in the midst of a, a challenging situation. That I, I didn't say it as clearly and as um, well as I wanted to. But well, doesn't Paul say that in some way that that um, the, the believing person can sanctify, if that's the right word? Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, th- I think you have to be careful with that word. That doesn't mean that you somehow provide merit for them. Hmm. But. There are huge opportunities within relationships, um, but there's also huge challenges. And I would say that if you're starting, you know, and looking for a partner, common ground for faith is should be part of that. Yes. If you find yourself moving within a relationship that's already established, and especially if you're already married. Finding ways to do that together is better, but certainly as a Christian, you're not called to be um, problematic. You're called to be a problem solver. Very good, Brant. And that uh, I feel like in many ways you said that better than than what I was than the, than what I said. So thank you. We are at the end of our time. Um, special thanks again to my conversation partners, Brant Berglund and Dave Thomas. Also thanks to our program engineers, Rick Basket and Naomi Cueto. And as always, thank you for listening in. For The Good Word, I'm Paul Dubdahl. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.